Hello, listeners. This is the Criterion Cast, episode 179, the Criterion wish list for 2017. I'm David Blakesley. I am the uh, senior fellow here, I guess, at Criterion <laughs> Cast as we get ready to uh, kind of resume one of our most beloved annual traditions, at least beloved by those of us who participate in this, and hopefully listeners enjoy it as well. Uh, we are gathered around uh, the uh, uh, representatives of the Criterion Cast uh, crew to talk about our hopes, dreams, and aspirations for what the collection might uh, unleash upon us and their myriad fans uh, here in the USA and around the world in the year to come, 2017. Uh, we are joined tonight by a few f familiar voices. Uh, anybody who listens to this podcast, I'm sure, has gotten to know uh, the personalities I'm about to introduce. So uh, let's just go in order here. Uh, Aaron, Aaron West, how are you doing tonight? Uh, Aaron is fine. I'm great. <laughs> <laughs> there will be no well, confusion with any other guests. That's right. Aaron, and uh, yeah, well, it's good to have you with us. And uh, Arik Devins. Hello, Arik. How are you doing? I'm good. I'm glad to be here. This is uh, my favorite episode every year, so I'm I'm honored to get to be a part of it. It's very nice to have you back. And Mark Herney, you were back with us last year doing this as well. So, Mark, how's it going tonight? Absolutely. I'm a two-timer. I'm doing great. Uh, glad to be back on here. Uh, it's a lovely, lovely episode. Uh, a lot of lot of good stuff to talk about. Yes, so this is definitely having me. Yeah, absolutely. It's great to have kind of uh, the four of us together to do a little bit of freestyle and a little bit of uh, you know creative riffing on uh, some of our favorite films, some of the things that we're curious about. And, uh, you know, just some of those uh, imaginative possibilities that, that pop into mind when we say, you know, what, what might be coming down the pipeline uh, uh, for the last three-fourths of uh, the Criterion 2017 lineup? Of course, we already know what they've got in store for us for January, February, and March. Uh, but from April on forward and uh, what we get to see in a, a week or so with the New Year's drawing and all of that kind of stuff remains to be seen. So we're here to speculate a little bit. Have some fun and uh, just kind of bounce some ideas off of each other and maybe stimulate your own imagination as you listen in and and kind of uh, come up with your own ideas. But before we proceed, let me just acknowledge one voice that is not with mm -hmm. us tonight. That is the voice of Ryan Gallagher, uh, our beloved uh, mentor, guru, uh, podcast master, and and web genius uh, who's really been the heart and soul of the Criterion cast all along. I think this may be the first uh, podcast that we've published where Ryan's absence is maybe a little bit more conspicuous than, than usual. And uh, I'll, just, I'll just say a little bit about that. Uh, Ryan has decided to pull back from the uh, podcasting routines that have been just a huge part of his life for, for quite a few years. I mean, t 2009 is when the Criterion cast began. Of course, it was Ryan, uh, Rudy, and Travis back in those days. And the lineup has shifted and changed over those years, but Ryan's really been the, the through line, even as he had to take a, a paternity leave when his uh, beautiful daughter Miranda was born, you know, some years ago. And, uh, you know, but he's he's just been the man uh, through it all who's really held this together, and uh, we really appreciate everything that he's made possible. But, you know, for, for his own reasons, and I guess I'll let him explain that uh, in his own way in time, uh, to the rest of the world, he's he's uh, kind of backing down from the podcasting for a little bit, 
And so I uh, sort of stepping into his role, who's uh, as he's been the host of this podcast, this particular episode uh, for so many years. But I do say with a little bit of pride and humility that uh, I'm the only other person besides himself who's been a part of all of these (laughs) annual wish list episodes. I I joined him back in uh, 2010. Uh, along with uh, you know Travis and and I think James McCormick was part of that and a few other guys and that was uh, episode sixty nine point three, kind of a funny numbering <laughs> system that they had intact back that that time, uh, and here we are uh, you know a hundred and ten episodes later uh, with episode one seventy nine, so yeah guys get any thoughts about Ryan or just kind of the, the the sort of a transitional phase that we're in here at Criterion Cast. Well, we miss him. Uh, it's weird, weird talking without him. We can't really replace him. So, um, but I guess we should say he's still involved behind the scenes. He's just taking a break. Maybe we'll come back. Maybe not. We'll let him explain it. But he's still, I guess, helping us. Uh, well, he's still facilitating some things and uh, the website and that sort of thing. Yeah, he's still definitely making the uh, behind the scenes thing happen as far as maintaining the site and doing all that. Incredible troubleshooting. I mean, if listeners even had, uh, you know, half of a, a clue of all the things that he does to keep that site up online, and you know, back back away the hacker attacks and all the other nonsense that uh, a webmaster has to deal with these days, uh, well, your gratitude would probably, you know, multiply exponentially. So, yeah, we we think all the world of Ryan, and and uh, definitely look forward to whenever he's able to jump back in the game here. As Aaron says, Absolutely. we uh, we cannot replace him. All we can try to do is uh, is make him proud. So we'll uh, That's right. we'll, we'll keep the <laughs> lights on and and keep the torches burning. And uh, you know, this is obviously still his his thing. We're just uh, happy to get to play with it. And we'll try not to be terrible. Yeah. <laughs> we'll do our best. He's still the he's still the backbone, yeah. you know, of everything that uh, that that runs on here. And uh, maybe maybe now he'll be able to get a little bit of sleep. <laughs> uh, the, the poor guy doesn't sleep. Yeah, so. he needs to sleep. So. Yep. At least watch a lot more movies, hopefully. Or that, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, just just watch them and enjoy them without the pressure of having to talk about them. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yep. Absolutely. So, so yeah, we are we are titling this the Criterion Wishlist episode. Now, in the last several years, this has been the Criterion Blu-ray Upgrade Wishlist. That's been kind of the official title of the episode. And we're going to definitely cover that territory. Which, uh, which of the Criterion DVDs... Would we like to see uh, updated to the high-definition format? But we have a few other twists and turns that we've come up with as we've been planning this episode, so we'll kind of let those unfold at their own pace and time. But, uh, yeah, let's just kind of get right into it. Uh, you know, we are we are here to talk about, uh, you know, some, some films that uh, we've seen, uh, some films that we appreciate and admire. Uh, you know, maybe before we get into that, uh, I want to talk a little bit about an article that uh, that Ryan posted just today. Yeah, uh, it was an interview in uh, Observer.com. I'm not even really familiar with that website, but uh, they published an interview with with Peter Becker uh, talking about the new Filmstruck uh, service. And just from the context of the interview itself, it seems like this was probably a, a talk that occurred several months ago or maybe a month or two ago is maybe a little bit more like it right as filmstruck was getting ready to launch because he's talking about it kind of on the verge of its uh 
of its debut to the public. I know there had been several months of beta testing that had gone on prior to that, and I think some of you guys were, were in that. I was not myself. Uh, I just kind of signed on pretty early just to kind of get in the get in the swing of it there. But he talks about, you know, uh, his ambitions for Filmstruck and, and, and some of the differences in that particular format with an online streaming service uh, that even surpasses uh, their degree of creative control over what they had established with the Hulu channel uh, over the previous five years. Um, you know, one of the big takeaways, obviously, that stood out for me was uh, his kind of pretty broad, uh, not even a hinting, but almost a promise of a, another Eclipse series set uh, of the films of Luis Garcia Berlanga. Of course, they just released The Executioner. Uh, a little bit of an obscurity, I think, for, for a lot of us, and I have yet to, not, to get around to watching it myself. But uh, his, his comments about Berlanga's films really piqued my curiosity. And, uh, of course, pretty exciting as the host of the Eclipse Viewer podcast to know that uh, there does seem to be a pretty likely prospect that we will have an, uh, another uh, set to review, Trevor Barrett and I, in the months ahead. But any other takeaways from that article that you guys want to kind of emphasize? Because it's a pretty fascinating uh, peek behind the curtain of what's happening at Criterion these days. Yeah, I guess, you know, David, what I took away is still the commitment um, that, you know, that he has and Criterion has to really just bringing films to to the people, right? So whether it's, you know, streaming services um, and still the commitment to physical media. Uh, he comments about how, you know, Blu-ray is still the best way to watch a movie at home. You still have the, it's still the best presentation, um, you know, even with, because of bandwidth issues or, you know, compression. So, you know, just that's what I took away is really just that, um, you know, commitment to, getting these films out there and in the best presentation uh, possible. So there's, there's still that commitment to physical media. I, one thing I found interesting was just them talking about crafting the commentaries too, which, uh, and how they edit them and, and how he was fascinated by the silence of the lambs commentary, which I haven't heard. I missed it on Filmstruck, but, um, but it, he kind of shares some of the tender love and care that uh, they do put into these features. And I think we've seen that they put they put into Filmstruck. We know they put it into the Blu-rays, uh, so that that's a a good uh, uh, theme for the episode. The uh, the fixation on physical media w under the uh, the uh, the auspices of uh, digital media and streaming. Yeah, and adapting the technology of whatever format they're publishing in to sort of optimize that. I mean, he even talked about some of the, you know, the QuickTime features where you could type in text and the right. text would sort of auto-search a particular quote from the movie. And you can't really do that even with Blu-ray, even with, uh, you know, the, the highest quality of disc media. There's some limitations on that. Uh, I think <laughs> we've talked in the past about how the DVD menus seem to have a little bit more you know, fun and pop and bells and whistles and the Blu-ray menus, which seem to be a little bit more static. But, uh, you know, there there is. There's, there's always some kind of retro charm, I guess, of the outdated formats. Uh, you know, I guess it's the, the analogy to the vinyl records versus digital streaming or compact discs kind of carries over that, you know, even with advances in, in uh, technology, there's there's going to be some something lost in in the charm or the novelty or just the you know the packaging if you will of the of the older formats 
Yeah, I liked his comments about just about how commentaries are put together too. Um, you know, but listening to some that you can hear are kind of pieced together. It's interesting to hear how you know it's kind of like we do when we podcast. There, uh, a lot of times you record separate tracks and you put the podcast together, and it's the same with the the commentaries. You may have different people speaking uh, either at the same time or at different times, and they you know you know take all that material material and put it together in a nice, you know, complete commentary and whether it's selected scene or full film or maybe they do just a, you know, part of the film uh, kind of commentary. So it was you know, nice to get his thoughts yeah, I, there. I just figured they have 20 people in a room at the same time with a really big mic. And a director pointing, you you talk now, you talk now, you talk now. <laughs> oh, it's the car well, scene. Yeah. Go. <laughs> Yeah, well, anyways, that's a pretty recommended resource. Definitely, uh, if there's a, you know online essentials for Criterion fans to catch up on, that's definitely one of the most important uh, posts I've seen in a while. So thank you, Ryan, for bringing that to our attention and uh, giving us a little something to, to you know, tee off on this episode. So let's go ahead and get into it. Let's let's take a very quick look at uh, what's happened with the the whole upgrade thing with Criterion in, in 2016. We are going to be doing our best of the year episode sometime after the new year. I think we've got a date and plan for that. Uh, but that'll be a couple weeks away after we get all this kind of holiday mumbo jumbo out of the way. Uh, get a little bit of a break in there. But yeah, over the past year, Criterion has uh, released actually, by my count, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, but it looks like they actually did more upgrades from the old Laserdisc days than they did from DVDs. I'm, I'm counting uh, seven titles from Laserdisc. Uh, the Graduate, Here Comes Mr. Jordan, The Player, Cat People, The Soft Skin, Dr. Strangelove, and The Asphalt Jungle, of course, just released uh, earlier this month as their Laserdisc upgrades, whereas the DVD upgrades... Uh, uh, Bicycle Thieves, Carnival of Souls, Night and Fog, Night Train to Munich, Shortcuts, and the Exterminating Angel representing their DVD upgrades I think you, for this year. you missed one. A Woman in the Dunes, does that count? Oh, well, yeah, and I guess that's a little bit of a mm -hmm. subcategory that I've created calling the the box set breakout, <laughs> which is where, you know, there's there's been an existing kind of collection of DVD-only titles uh, yeah, Woman in the Dunes would be the the DVD to Blu-ray number seven because I yeah I'd heard that number out there and I was like, what am I missing? What am I missing here? So Woman in the Dunes is it, and and you're definitely correct in that. We've also saw the releases of uh, Brief Encounter and Easy Rider as standalone discs after, of course, you know Brief Encounter going way back was a DVD only title. Then it got kind of caught up in the David Lean meets Noel Coward box set. And now it's, again, a standalone title that uh, fans of that particular film can buy on their own. Uh, and we've already seen a couple of uh, Laserdisc upgrades announced for 2017, uh, Women on the Verge of a Nervous Breakdown in February, and just announced a few, uh, you know, about uh, you know, a week ago, uh, Blow Up, Michelangelo, Michelangelo Antonioni's uh, great uh, 1966 film, which uh, you know, Eric and I had a little chat about couple years ago it's so it seems that's right. so yeah yeah <laughs> forgot that about was, that uh, yeah that was that's Arik's podcasting debut which is available on my Criterion Reflections <laughs> blog site and uh Indeed, very happy memory again. yeah well you know absolutely it was a, a great pleasure to talk to you about that 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 wonderful film and it'll be a, a lot one. of fun kind of watching it in the in the high def uh 
as uh, as winter turns to spring uh, in in, mm-hmm. in the year ahead. So so that's a little bit of a very quick recap of how Criterion's been kind of recycling some of their old properties into into new releases here and it does it does strike me that you know their their laser disc catalog is just as much of a a resource uh for introducing you know new stuff to today's audience uh as the dvd section of their library so what we're going to do tonight is just kind of talk a little bit about some of those subcategories and and kind of take a look at what we would like to see happen and because we've got four uh, participants and a lot of territory to cover i think we're just going to go with our number two picks and then our number one picks and uh, just kind of cycle through that and see how it goes we've got a lot of things to talk about so it's probably time to get things rolling so uh aaron let's go ahead and have your number two choice for the dvd upgrade dvd to blu-ray upgrade uh for 2017 yeah well uh my choice for number two is pick up on south street which i think i think that's the first time that one's been mentioned on on any of these episodes but that uh i know that has a 4k restoration because i I saw one a couple years ago in new york uh and i know that also the a fuller life samantha fuller's um documentary about her dad uh, that's on Filmstruck, and she's said many times on Twitter that it'll be coming to uh, to Blu-ray uh, through Criterion. So I, I think it's there's a good chance of it happening. Uh, and I, I'm a big fan of Fuller, but I also just think I like a lot of the noir that's been coming on coming out, like uh, In a Lonely Place, uh, Asphalt Jungle, and this kind of fits right in there. I, I I enjoy you know in between these art films and uh, some of the modern classics, it's nice to just sit down and enjoy uh, a fifties. Uh, hard-boiled uh, page shirter uh, crime fiction uh, film, and um, and this is a great one, uh, one of the best. So, yeah, yeah, definitely. It's it's not lightweight by any means, but it does kind of breeze along, and it kind of picks you up and just takes you along into this into this almost lost world of fifties know, New York and little little Cold War paranoia tinge in there. But it's it's not. It's not the Manchurian Candidate, you know. It's something a little bit different than that. Uh, great character performances, and uh, yeah, just some cool atmospherics, you know. Yeah, it's heady, uh, heady but watchable. I'd say. Excellent. All right. Yeah, more Sam Fuller on Blu-ray too. You know, just would would like to see some more Fuller on uh, HD. Uh, that'll come up. And there's been later a lot of Fuller Blu-tees. on Filmstruck too, so maybe that's what you're uh, teasing, but. All right. Well, Arik, let's kick it over your way. What's your uh, What's your runner-up for your favorite uh, Blu-ray or the DVD Blu-ray recommendation? There. Uh, so my runner-up is uh, I was gonna do like a tie thing, but I think I'm gonna keep it simple and uh, and say that I my runner-up is um, the Rainer Werner Fassbinder uh, film Berlin Alexanderplatz. Oh wow! Which is um like very unlikely because it's like nine and a half hours long but um it is an absolutely wonderful uh experience my only question is whether or not uh it would how much it would benefit from a a high def upgrade because i'm not sure uh I, i have this vague memory that it was filmed perhaps in 16 millimeters so although they that so was hoop dreams and that looks great so um, it just, I think it's very deserving of a, of an upgrade. It's a, a, a hefty, hefty piece and, um, uh, examines a very interesting time and place, sort of the Weimar era Republic, uh, Germany and is, um, I, I saw it for the first time this year and just uh, thought it was pretty 
remarkable. And um, it, like I said, I think it's unlikely they haven't really gone human condition. It, those kind of things don't tend to get upgraded, but I would love it if this one was. Well, on the other hand, they did release Decalogue, which is a visually sumptuous series of films that were, of course, made for TV, which I think yeah. Berlin to Alexanderplatz was a TV it was, yeah. production mm -hmm. as well. So uh, there is a precedent there, at least now, <laughs> <laughs> you know, and and I think there is a there is, you know, in this era of you know, binge watching and long form TV, uh, why not see some of the roots of that format, even if they didn't make these films ever anticipating anything <laughs> close to resembling the you know HBO, Netflix, uh, Showtime, Amazon Prime phenomena that we got today of you know fifteen to twenty hour you know series uh, you know these 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 long form films really that that are one continuous narrative broken up into multiple episodes. Yeah, Berlin Alexanderplatz kind of, you know, is a, is a forerunner of all of that. Oh, absolutely. And yeah, yeah. yeah. And also, I, I think people think that 16 millimeter doesn't translate well to Blu-ray, but actually another long film, uh, Showa, I'm pretty sure that is 16 millimeter, and that still works and uh, and has some visual beauty, even though it's a disturbing topic. Uh, but it's it, it does benefit from the format, so I think I think Alexanderplatz would too. Excellent. Well, Mark, let's kick it over to you. What's your uh, number two? My number two is uh, I. I think I'm thinking about just closing out the um, Brian De Palma on Blu-ray. So we've got uh, Blowout, and um, of course, Dress to Kill came out uh, not too long ago. On uh, that was a new release. So let's just get Sisters on uh, on Blu-ray. Um, this would be, it's, it's one, it's an early spine number. I think it's still early, you know, being number 89. So, um, was, I believe the first in the collection and is an early film from him. So it also is available from Arrow, uh, in the UK on Blu-ray. So there obviously is, you know, some kind of a, a transfer out there. I haven't seen that one. I keep waiting for Cry Criterion to release it, but um, that one's been out there from Arrow for, you know, since 2014. So, um, yeah, I would just, you know, I've been waiting to, I've seen it once, would love to revisit it. I really think it's a, a great early De Palma and uh, just waiting for the, um, you know, this reason to uh, to check it out again. The, the DVD says it's a widescreen digital transfer enhanced for... 16 by 9 television so Ooh, you know wow. why not get a you know <laughs> fancy why not get a 2k or 4k transfer of that yeah so. for sure well and and i my understanding is that dress to kill was a, a pretty veritable blockbuster in terms of sales and de palma is just has his cult following so from a strictly business standpoint i think criterion must understand that there's a you know, there's some value in, in that release. So, yeah, I, I hope they come through for you there, Mark. Uh, my number two is a film that's been kind of discussed and kicked around as a as a pretty um, highly likely or at least much desired DVD upgrade. I don't. I also don't think it's been mentioned in one of our previous episodes. And that's Paul Schrader's Mishima, A Life in Four Chapters, which is absolutely one of the most visually sumptuous and eye-dazzling you know, films in the entire collection, just the set designs, the colors, just the 
you know, kind of the visual explosiveness of it is is quite uh, you know quite remarkable. And you know, the packaging, uh, I will say, you know, in this new era where the digipacks and the uh, you know the, the 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 box sets have certainly become more the exception than the rule. Uh, Criterion might find themselves hard pressed to reproduce this kind of gold foil, you know, eye popping, you know, kind of neon fluorescent psychedelic uh, style with the booklet and everything else. Um, but the film itself, you know, sort of deserves uh, the the highest quality representation. And I also, you know, Paul Schrader, he's a pretty uh, prominent presence, at least for those of us who, uh, you know, follow him on social media. He's he's one of those kind of outspoken uh, older fellas who will sometimes say the intemperate <laughs> type of thing and get himself into some a little bit of a, a hot water with, uh, uh, you know, a remark that uh, might be, you know, a little bit, you know, uh, maybe less than fully considered but i appreciate that about him i appreciate his candor and for a, and i also share a certain bond with paul schrader he's a native of grand rapids michigan where where i live and uh a, nat- uh, a graduate of calvin college which is also where i got my bachelor's degree so uh, i certainly have a kinship with him even though he's kind of a of an earlier generation but i think it would be just nice to see him get a little bit of criterion love again while he's still with us and while he's still uh you know got got a lot of interesting and provocative things to say so uh, Mishima, both on the personal level for the uh, the artist himself and for the film, uh, I think deserves uh, the audience that I think would really appreciate it. Those uh, DVD only co- or those Blu-ray only customers uh, who might otherwise bypass this, uh, I think would would find themselves in for quite a treat if they were to check this thing out in high def. Well, David, I I just uh, purchased the I broke down after waiting for an upgrade. Uh, I purchased the DVD from the bar- last Barnes and Noble sale. Yeah so, yeah, so you're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, okay. Well, that 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 ought to seal it right mm-hmm. there. <laughs> Waiting for those April announcements, folks. Right? <laughs> yes, indeed. Well, we know it's how beautiful that, movie. That, beautiful. Uh, it is. It's it, his it's, best, I think, bar, bar none, and he has some good ones. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I I hope they would. I hope they do the packaging right. But even if we have to sort of settle for the. Uh, you know, the, like uh, the the uh, two lane black top type of thing, where you you got, you got the superior packaging with the DVD, but uh, you you, know, you take the Blu-ray for the for the film itself. Uh, well, let's go ahead back a uh, cycle around back to number one. What's your uh, top pick for a, a DVD to Blu-ray, Aaron? Well, I I've already mentioned Holocaust films, so uh, and I wanted to check films, so this I, I chose the uh, the shop on Main Street. Which uh, yeah, yeah. Is, a, is a tremendous film. Uh, it's it's a difficult film, uh, but it's it has a little bit of uh, realist fantasy, which is kind of like this episode, actually. Um, <laughs> exactly. But it, it it recently came out, uh, I think, a couple months ago in the UK on a region region B release, and I uh, it was through Second Run, I believe. I actually didn't check that, um, but I remember that hearing the print was okay, or the transfer was okay, was pretty good. And a lot of times I've found that Criterion, you know, they have their own uh, uh, restoration experts, and sometimes they will imp- improve on those prints. So hopefully they are working on something that we don't know about, and um, and it'll come out. Now, it's from what I understand, even with just the okay to good print, it did still make a difference. Um, and that movie, I think, even though it's black and white, uh, it's shot in a manner in which um, it also would benefit from a, a 4K or 
And these black and white movies, you know, like say Persona, for instance, they look tremendous on Blu-ray. So I think this would, it's it's no Persona, but it's uh, it's quite a quite a moving and uh, an interesting movie with a very um, solemn historical tale. Uh, with um, uh, it was, uh, well, never mind. <laughs> Yeah, we, I mean, yeah, without getting into a full miniature review, I mean, I think, honestly, you know, not to get all on a political rant here, but I think there's a timeliness to that film about a society's kind of transformation from neighborliness to sort of, uh, mm-hmm. you know, kind of a proto-fascist, uh, intolerant, yeah, and, and again, you know, we don't know where the future is going, but uh, there are some seeds of, of division and, and, and even hatred that are out there. And I think a film like that can at least give a few folks something to think about, and and uh, consider you know, nineteen, late thirties, early forties, Czechoslovakia is not all that distant or different from uh, the world we live in today. Yeah, I think you sense my my tongue biting, David. <laughs> so we'll just leave it there. <laughs> well, I I went ahead and just blabbed it for you there. <laughs> yeah, indeed. It's a bare bones release too. I mean, it, it only has a, a trailer, so yeah, it's a good pick. Yeah, it's kind of from that kind of uh, lost era of Criterion when you know you, you kind of get the sense that they were maybe in a little bit of a financial dry spell or something at that time because there's mm-hmm. a lot of pretty thin releases uh, in that like ninety five to hundred and fifteen hundred twenty spine number range. And it's it's also a it's a Czech film, but it's really a Slovak film. Of course, back then they were the same country, so there's right. also a, a little historical story they could tell. I think that they they do very well when they put out those kinds of films. So maybe as a, a reissue with some some extra features. So that's my vote. Excellent. All right, why don't you go ahead and take it from there? So for my number one, uh, I chose uh, Agnes Varda's uh, Cleo from Five to Seven which is, uh, to my mind, just one of the most wonderful films I've ever seen. Um, And, you know, obviously part of the uh, Nouvelle Vague, French New Wave, um, but from a, you know, Varda comes from a very different perspective than your Godard's, Truffaut's, Romer's, etc., being the only real uh, well-known woman uh, director of that era. It's a beautiful film. It sparkles even on the DVD in black and white, and I I just think it would look absolutely wonderful, uh, on Blu-ray. It was a standalone release. It was later folded into the four by Agnes Varda box set. I'd be happy to have the entire box set upgraded, of course, but um, that seems somewhat unlikely these days. But just that film on its own is powerful and wonderful, and I would love to uh, to have it in, in high def. Yeah, it is a Nouvelle Vague classic. I mean, it is it is one of those kind of, you know, pillars of of that movement it's unique it's stylish it's you know and and uh you know i i echo what you're saying about the four by agnes varda said i that was one of my choices last year i believe uh for the whole box but uh you know we're going to be talking a little bit about you know films kind of breaking out of the box set and that's definitely a a great consideration for that uh, particular distinction as well uh and again a film that really deserves the highest fidelity and 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 much more attention uh from the younger audience today just to because i i feel yeah that it's a great story of 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 kind of life and fate uh female empowerment and just you know it's just a great stylistic uh exercise and and a wonderful introduction for those uh viewers who maybe haven't really 
gotten in touch with the films of Agna Savarda, who is still with mm-hmm. us and still a really vital and and fantastic contemporary filmmaker. Uh, this is one that really kind of put her on the map. She was doing great stuff before that. She certainly did great stuff afterwards. But, yeah, wonderful choice. Also a great soundtrack. I forgot to mention that, which uh, is always nice to hear in the uncompressed audio of, of Blu-ray. Super. All right, Mark, go ahead and take it. Well, I uh, my my top choice has actually been mentioned before. Um, the drum has been <laughs> beat for this uh, back in 2013. Ryan did, and uh, you know this is one of the first ones that came to mind and uh, for me in a taste of cherry. Um, it's a it's a spine 45. It's got the you know one of the black spines. Um, so it's one of those those early releases. Not much for you know supplements. It ha- does have an interview and you know the f- filmography and the the trailer like you know a lot of old uh, dvd releases did but I, I really just wanted to go with this having uh abbas kiristami the director in mind uh, with his you know passing in july this year and this is a film that i've just have the dvd and just kind of been waiting to check out i'm uh, hoping for you know just a, a better release of it and there is no blu-ray currently available um in any country so you know this one uh, seems right this seems like a, a good time for you know people to really rediscover uh kiristami you know maybe outside of some of the films they've seen um you know like they've probably seen close up and certified copy and i know there's a lot of uh other ones out there that aren't available, so it would be great to have this as a you know a gateway into um, you know some some more Kiristami. I want to heartily second and bang on the drum for this one. This is a non anamorphic release. It is mm. absolute garbage to watch this DVD at this point, <laughs> and um, the film itself is is brilliant. It's it's beautiful. It's amazing, and it is just like it is honestly a little offensive that they're still selling this DVD in 2016. This is, is badly <laughs> badly needed. Yeah, I, I yeah, love I this think... film too. Sorry, David. Well, no, go ahead, there. Oh, I was just going to echo. I, I this is one of my favorite films uh, of the the 90s, probably. So, um, and yeah, I. I I, I do remember there there being something about our relations with Iran because the, remember they were talking about the Coker trilogy coming coming out a couple years back, mm. and then there was a, something mm-hmm. that came out saying that I guess we weren't able or Criterion wasn't able to import prints. So maybe that's why that's I can't figure any other reason that he wouldn't uh, be top of their list, especially now. Yeah. Yeah, I, I mean, I think Taste of Cherry was a bit of a, a coup for Criterion because this was like a new release at that time. It, that was that was Kurosawa's you know, kind of current film, an award winner. You know, I mean, Close Up had already been out and had sort of been the breakthrough film, but the Taste of Cherry was kind of his latest thing. But you're right; it's just sort of been sitting there static for all these years. And and you're right; there is a, a lot more Kurosawa that that they could release, but this one they still have the rights to. And and my hunch is that they probably are waiting for that uh, you know ideal situation to get a quality transfer and, and make it worth the while. But uh, yeah, we're just wishing and dreaming, folks. So I hope uh, the wish and dream comes true. <laughs> Uh, I'm going to move on to to my number one pick for a DVD to Blu-ray upgrade. I'm going to go with Spike Lee's Do the Right Thing. Uh, this is a landmark film. It's, of course, a, a, a release that is in a lot of our living memory of a, of a pretty big event movie back in uh, the summer of 88, 89. Uh, and and the, uh, the controversies that it set off, the... Uh, you know, kind of a galvanizing uh, conversation that it triggered about uh, race relations and 
and uh, you know just kind of what was happening in, in America's cities and really the, the wider context of, of uh, just the complicated history of, of uh, you know, races and immigration and, and how different communities assimilate into the American culture, some of the different obstacles they face, and just some of the very practical uh, issues confronted by people just looking to get by and, and, and live in their life. And, uh, you know, there's a certain time and place that this movie summons and again uh, one that I think we all have our own connection to whether we're outsiders looking in or people who really identify closely with those characters uh, but it doesn't seem like the relevance of do the right thing has diminished really at all over the passing of these years <laughs> in fact not. it's yeah right I, I and I think I think it's it's time to give this uh you know what at the time was a, a really kind of jewel box setting. I mean, Criterion did a really bang up job with this kind of old school double disc, uh, big brick box. Uh, you know, with with all kinds of supplements. I mean, this is kind of back when uh, those those cases were were kind of a statement in themselves. Kind of like the uh, the original Armageddon, the uh, the first uh, Criterion two disc edition. Do the right thing was kind of in that same league of pulling out all the stops and I know there is a blu-ray edition out there but I don't I do not own that myself and from what I've heard um, you know it's not really the film has not been really given its due even though you might be able to get it in a slightly improved transfer from what you get with Criterion um, I would love to see them really kind of give the full retrospective treatment to uh, you know what many people and probably myself consider Spike Lee's masterpiece and I think he's made a lot of early other really quality and thought-provoking, challenging films, even Chirac, which uh, you know came out a couple of years ago, uh, I thought was a pretty, a pretty intriguing and one of the the favorite movies that I saw in theater back in was it uh, 2015? Was it or was it 2014? Whenever that came out, yeah, um, last I, year. Yeah, it was, it was just last year. So, you know, I, I really enjoyed that. I was very, very stimulated, very intrigued. Uh, of course, my son and daughter-in-law live in Chicago, and, and some of the National Guard armory scenes were literally filmed right across the street from their very apartment. <laughs> so so there's a personal connection there. But uh, going back to Do the Right Thing, um, again, it's a movie that really does deserve to be kind of re-injected into the national dialogue. And I think Criterion's got a platform to, you know, to, to, to sound that note. And I, I would love to see them uh, give give the film its due. I'm right there with you. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, let's kind of keep things rolling. We are just kind of going to steamroll through this here. Uh, let's talk about another category here. We've talked about DVDs to Blu-rays, but uh, we already talked about in this uh, earlier portion of the episode, LaserDisc to Blu-ray upgrade. So I've kind of created a new category here. Uh, so let's just kind of stay in the same order. Uh, Aaron, you've got uh, a, n- a number of choices on your on our, our list here. Which one do you want to go through as your number two pick for a Laserdisc to Blu-ray upgrade? Well, th- this was a tough one, even though I, I, I found a few. But I'm going to cheat a little bit, and I'm going to go with a an early Hitchcock box, which um, which has also been kind of rumored because uh, a lot of these early hitches, and, and by early I mean in the 30s, mid-30s, a lot of these showed up on Amazon. I think some of them might have been on their iTunes channel, and they had the, the Wacky C. But uh, Spines 22, 23, and 24 of Laserdisc were Sabotage, Secret Agent, and Young and Innocent. 
And uh, so I would love to see those three come out as a early Hitchcock box. And, you know, if they want to throw in some others, uh, The Lodger, uh, maybe even add um, uh, The Man Who Knew Too Much, uh, the original one, uh, maybe make it a five-pack. Now, that that has been released individually. That's the Peter Lorre film, right? Yeah, but, I, but I, I meant like throw a, it into the package like a, there. Mm-hmm. Like a Del Toro kind of thing, yeah. No. Sure, Why yeah, not? yeah, a, a so. repackage, yeah. But I, I'd, I'd be fine with the three. Uh, and that one for sure would sell, I think. Uh, anything with Hitch's name, that, and if they have access to it. I'm actually really surprised we haven't seen any of these already. So we have Lady Vanishes and Man, uh, 39 Steps, uh, Man Who Knew Too Much, and I think a few others. Yeah, and I think Criterion takes a little bit of satisfaction of being sort of the official chronicler of early Hitchcock at this point. I mean, obviously mm-hmm. the you know the big tent poles, you know, Psycho and Rear Window and Vertigo, North by Northwest. Those are those are big studio properties that uh, Criterion will probably never get their hands on again. But you know, all of his British stuff and even some of his you know uh, early Hollywood stuff is still sort of within their grasp. You would think. Uh, so yeah, what about the films themselves? I mean, I've not really watched any of those titles, but uh, you like them? Yeah, I've, I've seen all of them actually, uh, and they're they're not quite to the caliber of his forties, fifties, and early sixties work, but uh, you can definitely see his voice uh, being established. And and if nothing else, like I mentioned uh, heady and watchable. Maybe not quite as heady, but they're very intriguing, thrilling, uh, just like what you'd expect from a, uh, a Hitchcock thriller. And in fact, I think. If you like uh, Lady Vanishes, and they're not that good, but they're, or the, or the Man Who Knew Too Much, Thirty Nine Steps, I think you'd probably like these, even if they're not quite at that level. Uh, but they're all pretty yeah. As good. a box, I think they kind of hold together. Right. Then probably you know the the sum is greater than the individual total there. <laughs> yeah, I think Sabotage cool. is probably my favorite of those three. Um, and Secret Agent has like a gazillion. Um, I think it's public domain, so that has a lot of really bad releases. So. Oh yeah, yeah. Those the those sabotages. They might they might all have that, so that might be why why Criterion has the rights. And those eight film for five dollar yeah. DVD specials. <laughs> oh there, God, you know? please no. <laughs> <laughs> on t- eight films on two discs. You know, it's your supermarket checkout line there. Some of them, and I, I'm not sure if it's all of them, but I know at least Sabotage and a couple others, and it may be these same titles are out in the UK from a label called Network. But you know, again, they're they're on Blu-ray. I, I don't think the releases are that great from a video on audio standpoint and, and extras. So, yeah, this is a this would be a, a really good one to see. And, and I should also say that I, I watched Sabotage and Young and Innocent on that Criterion channel. Um, I was I downloaded the rentals from Amazon, and the prints did look good. And I've I've seen some of the other prints. Uh, you know, you can just see them on YouTube if probably if you look hard enough. Uh, and it was drastically different. So I think it, there would be a quality in in the release. All right, well, let's kick it over to Arik. What do you have for your number two uh, Laserdisc to Blu-ray upgrade? Uh, number two for me is the classic uh, Gene Kelly uh, film, Singing in the Rain, which <clears throat> is just a film that I love. Um, I, I, I was lucky enough this year to get to see it uh, on, on the big screen twice, uh, once in Amsterdam at the awesome I uh, Film Museum and uh, once um, here in San Francisco with the symphony orchestra playing the soundtrack live, which was absolutely incredible. Um, it's, you know, it's just a wonderful movie. It's a film about film. It's, you know, it pairs really well with like the, the, uh, 
early Lubitsch musicals. Like uh, for my uh, podcast, uh, we did one month where it was uh, uh, 1929's Love Parade, and then and then this, and a, a musical about uh, making a 1920s musical. So I, I mean, I just think it's you know it's a classic. It's wonderful. Uh, and in these days where, I mean, it seems unbelievable, there's a perfectly reasonable Blu-ray out there, it's nothing special, but in these days where it seems like the, the vaults are open to Criterion like they haven't been since the Laserdisc days, you never know. Could happen. Isn't there like one of those humongous box sets out there, even like it's kind of like uh, bigger than a loaf of bread type of thing? <laughs> I mean, I, I, <laughs> like up on my the, shelf, yeah, I've got like Casablanca, one. Ben-Hur, and Sound of Music, and these, they're kind of like, a, a foot long and you know eight or ten inches high i mean you know it's little slide out panels with a booklet and all kinds of goodies inside so i mean that might be out there maybe i'm mistaken maybe i'm conflating it with no there was else. but it, it yeah. came out in 2012 no, yeah. and it's yeah uh, long I, gone I, now right yeah. yeah i mean listen that, none of that matters anymore right like they, <laughs> exactly, yeah. they, they put out dr strange love they put out things that are they don't care everything's so. wide open yeah <laughs> yeah so well I, it's and just again a, yeah Love I think thing. it would. I would think it would do very well, and and uh, a yeah. great musical. And you know that is that is one genre that Criterion probably you know could do well if they were to find the the way in to really explore the classic Hollywood musicals. They've kind of got those early Lubitsch, like you referred to, those proto musicals. They've got kind of you know spin off musicals like you know all that jazz and some of the you know Bob Fosse stuff. But the real straightforward, right down the pipeline, Gene Kelly, Fred Astaire, you know, man, you know, get us a couple of those. They got they got John Ford Westerns, you know, <laughs> John Wayne. I mean, you know, just kind of give us that right down the groove uh, mm-hmm. classic stuff. It would be wonderful. <laughs> yeah, I think Obviously, isn't always bad. Demi's the closest they've got, I think, but to Fred Astaire. Yeah, but yeah. even he's, you know, art <laughs> yeah. house yeah. musical. Yeah, so, true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Excellent, excellent. Okay, well, Mark, why don't you give us your number two there? All right, well, for my number two, this was probably the most difficult one to narrow down because they do have so many titles still, uh, you know, that they had released on Laserdisc, out of print, obviously, and some really big ones. I mean, you've got your Citizen Kanes, you have your King Kongs, their first two releases. So I just, um, but what I kind of thought about with these was, what is out there that um, maybe doesn't have a great release? And of course, I, I kind of you know mix that with my my, my number two pick because um, I I guess you know I want to see would love to see some more comedies in the collection. And I had just watched uh, the producers recently, which I'd never seen before. It was the Mel Brooks Blind Spot. So you know I'm banging the Mel Brooks drum to to get that in, into the uh, the collection. Um, it is available from shout factory um in a pretty nice release right now so my banging the drum probably doesn't mean much i don't see it probably happening for another two or three years i think that that came out uh, at least a couple of years ago um but uh yeah i mean it's a it's a great film again it's a f- um you know film about making a production you know you could call it maybe similar to uh, making a movie and it's it's hilarious it's great um so and of course, we had the, uh, you know, 
unfortunate passing this year of Gene Wilder. So, you know, the, the timing there uh, would be good. But, hey, I'll wait a couple years. Um, maybe we'll see uh, that come from Criterion someday. Well, I'm going to get political again and say that I, there's some analogies between the producers and the 2016 presidential campaign. I'll, I'll just leave it right there. <laughs> <laughs> I'm waiting for your number one pick to get there. <laughs> well, maybe not. Uh, but, yeah, you know, again, Mel Brooks uh, – there are no Mel Brooks productions in the Criterion Collection proper no. in the current run. So, and that was a very seminal film: uh, the Mel Brooks connection, the Gene Wilder connection, and just you know, just kind of the way it it took Brooks out of kind of you know slapstick TV comedy and and just made him kind of a a force to be reckoned with in late sixties uh, through the you know uh, early to mid to late seventies. And on all the imitators that have come after that, so yeah, a fantastic pick. And yeah, and you're right, Mark. There's just a, a trove of riches uh, if you were going to look at the full reign of a full run of uh, Criterion Laserdisc titles. Uh, but my my number two pick is one that's probably a little bit more on the obscure side, but I think is one that's very worthy of of uh, you know kind of a bring into our awareness, and that's Max Ophel's Letter from an Unknown Woman. I actually happen to own a VHS copy of this, which I watched a couple of years ago. And, of course, Max Ophuls is uh, probably best known at this point for uh, the earrings of Madame De and Lola Montez, his two Blu-ray offerings, as well as uh, La Ronde and Le Plaisir, two slightly earlier films. You know, Ophuls had a pretty... Uh, pretty interesting career as he was exiled to the states for a period of time during the uh the rise of the fascists in, in germany and kind of forced to flee europe he came to hollywood made some films uh, including this one letter from an unknown woman uh, and then was able to eventually return to europe where he kind of closed out his career with a string of what i would consider masterpieces of course offals is is uh you know probably best known for his extremely fluid camera work and and some of the visual flourishes that that really you know make his films you know quite memorable and and, and quite uh, pleasing to the eye but uh he also had a very sympathetic you know heart for his female characters letter from an unknown woman really kind of you know brings that theme to the forefront as well so uh it's it's a film that's widely regarded as a classic and it kind of rounds out the picture of Offels as a director uh not just for his European films uh, towards the end of his career, but kind of kind of like a Fritz Lang, where you know Criterion you know has some early Fritz Lang, uh, but then what did he do in the USA uh, after he left Europe? Uh, maybe his bona fide masterpieces were earlier on, uh, but uh, you know he he did a lot of good work after that. This is this is sort of the same story in reverse. Rather than focusing merely on the end of Apple's career. Uh, let's look at what he was doing in the states, and 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 it's kind of a unique film of its time. Now, Arik, you just I, mean, I kind of referred to Fritz Lang there. You just did a, an episode with Ryan not too long ago about the uh, Testament of Doctor Mabusa, right? Indeed, yeah, and I'm a, a huge uh, Lang fan in general. So, and there's actually quite a, a ton of Lang out there uh, that they could that they could release, which would be great. I, I love me some Fritz Lang. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I, I think there's just a, a really unique story about these uh, European directors that really were forcibly exiled, uh, Jean Renoir also being one of them, where they kind of had to 
you know, kind of wield their craft in a, uh, you know, in a way, in a, in a time and place that really wasn't of their own choosing, but they, they had an opportunity, uh, uh, kind of under, under duress, under coercion and just what they, what they did with those circumstances, I think is a pretty fascinating study in and of itself. And of course, Long's ex-wife basically became a Nazi filmmaker. So that's interesting too. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Yeah. All right. Well, let's, well you know, David, ahead. can I just chime in? I yeah, love, please do. love, love, love this movie. This is what I, one of my my favorite romantic uh, r- romances of all time. Um, and and I think people and I, I'm actually really pleased to see it on your list because I I did think of it as more of an obscure film, even from Ophel's, uh, but I, undoubtedly a masterpiece. And I think it it kind of has the romanticism, maybe a little bit of sentimentality, but it's not really sappy. It's, I think it's pretty earnest. Uh, in fact, it kind of reminds me a little brief encounter a little bit, mm-hmm. but, yeah. uh, but anyway, yeah. yeah well, that heartache at the end there and, and how it just kind of leaves you to that little, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Oh, life can be hard I'll sometimes. Pretend you didn't yeah. say that, but <laughs> 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 anyway, it, it, people do need to discover, rediscover this film. So good pick. All right, well, let's go back to the top of our list. So, Aaron, uh, talk about us, uh, your number one here. What's your Laserdisc to Blu-ray top choice? My top one, this is tough because there's so many good ones. So I'm, I'm going to go with one, uh, another one I saw in theaters, uh, Restoration. I'm going to go with Blue Velvet by David Lynch. Uh, of course, we talk about business. It would sell a ton. It would probably be one of the biggest sellers of the year, maybe among the entire catalog. A huge film. Uh, I saw it in a packed house uh, rest- restoration screening earlier this year. Uh, the crowd was so lively, just got so into it. It, uh, it was just a blast to see in the movies. And it really does hold up, too, after uh, 30, 40 years, uh, I guess 30 years. Um, they, they did say that more Lynch is coming, and I think we know that a, a documentary is probably going to come out this year. But I'm Hoping that uh, the rights have cleared and that they can finally get a hold of this this masterpiece. Yeah, I've been holding so off Aaron, myself. So, Aaron, I have one, one question for you. Uh, Are PBR, you a Heineken PBR. or a Paps? Okay. Okay. <laughs> Thank you. See, I didn't even need to ask, ask the question. <laughs> the last uh, Blu-ray was 2011, so I, I think it's okay. It's, it's time. All right, Eric, what's your number one here? So... Uh, my number one is um, something that uh, a film that's very important to me, uh, a film I watched many times uh, as a as a kid, uh, and a film that I think so in in my mind, comedy, uh, classic comedy fans break down into at least two groups, probably many more. But one major divide is like the W. C. Fields Stooges side or the Marx Brothers side, and I am firmly firmly on the Marx Brothers side. So my pick for number one is uh, A Night at the Opera, which is just a hilarious uh, Marx Brothers film, uh, probably their most well-known non-Duck Soup film. Um, I, I, any of their films would have been happy for me, but this was a Laserdisc release. Uh, and uh, just g- the idea of getting any Marx Brothers into the collection uh, where, uh, you know, you, you have to assume that given especially that they release this on Laserdisc because it's only for rights reasons that they haven't uh, would just be a dream come true for me. I cannot get enough of these guys and, and the supplements. I, I can. It's a dream. So uh, for me, yeah, this would be this would be amazing. They just came out with a box set too, and and this is oh, not I have on the it. box set. Yeah, yes, so, indeed, it is not. Nope. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Again, I think Ryan put a link out there of kind of a, a bargain of the day gold box deal or whatever, and I got my my 
uh, got in on that one myself. But you're right. Well, I'm going to do a shout opera. out to. Mm-hmm. Sorry, uh, David. I'm going to do a yeah. shout out to to Ryan's co-host of uh, of Off the Shelf, Brian, who mm-hmm. previously alerted me to this particular box at the Marks Brothers on a different sale, which is when I yeah. got it. Yeah, I think you got it on the <laughs> so same sale you, I did, and then I I, I cringed when I saw the price later. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I, I, I again, the Marks Brothers are kind of you know top shelf, uh, you know, and again worthy of their whatever big studio uh you know retention that 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 their reputation has earned but yeah it just it does seem just like with kubrick or 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 lynch for that matter these you know these uh you know blockbuster cult following directors who uh really are unique uh one of a kind personas in the in the annals of, of great directors you know criterion deserves to have a, a crack or two at, at at those at those big names and i i think that would be a fantastic addition so here's hoping uh, <laughs> mark you. yeah speaking of those uh you know top flight uh you know all-time classics what do you got for your number one yeah so uh, i mean this one is not even you know i it's an all-time classic, and it's, as folks probably know, my favorite film, uh, 2001 A Space Odyssey. I just went for it. I was going to go with Forbidden Planet, um, which is, you know, also has a one of those blue cases. But, you know, 2001 was one of the early Blu-ray releases. It seems to be one of the early releases for every new format, um, you know, with good reason. And it's a nice it's a, it's a really nice disc um, that you know Warner Brothers produced. It's got a lot of nice supplements. It looks great, still looks great. Um, but I would just love to see Criterion take it, and you know, I'd love to see them just take over all the Kubrick stuff. Uh, they've got Doctor Strangelove and you know some of his early stuff. Why not? Um, you know, just uh, put it out there, take it. it. It's just it's a seminal science fiction film um, that is so mentally stimulating. Would love to see um, it back in the collection. I I, ver- I will gladly man. sign over my commentary track. Just give me a, just give me a line in the liner notes there, and, and, <laughs> and your royalties are covered. Criterion. <laughs> yeah, could be, an, could be an Easter egg or something. Oh, and of course, great. a preview copy, uh, a little complimentary, would be very appreciated. <laughs> well, wonderful. It is Done. my it we'll is my it number in. one favorite movie of all time too, Mark. So uh, we're 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 brothers on that regard. So. Lockstep. For sure. Nice. All right. Well, my number one is uh, is another visually transcendent film. Uh, uh, I am Cuba, and I'll just have to you know admit a brain lapse. I forget uh, Kalatozov. He's the director. That, that's right. Yeah, the guy who did uh, uh, Letter uh, Never Sent. Letter Never Sent. That's right. Another cranes just you know too. dazzling. Yeah, cranes are flying, but just that that swooping camera work. Those incredible set pieces. You know, I am Cuba uh, with the recent passing of Fidel Castro, uh, with the disappearance of that old cigar box DVD edition uh, that was put out there some years ago, which I do fortunately own a copy of. Again, uh, Criterion fans would just be popping for this thing. It's uh, it's it's a really one of a kind film, filmed at a very pivotal moment in that nation's uh, very tortured, convoluted history. Um, the aesthetics, the politics, the 
you know, just the just the very bravura presentation of the whole thing, the the, the very you know, various topics that it covers, and and Criterion's unique ability to to put a nice comprehensive package together seems to me, you know, really uh, really calling out for for this film to get uh, you know just kind of a fresh introduction. So, I am Cuba would be my very top uh, laserdisc to Blu-ray uh, upgrade for the year ahead. I'll strongly second that one as well. That's a that's a wonderful, wonderful film. Yeah, some great shots, and you know, there, there's actually a pretty decent DVD release of it. Uh, some special edition that came out. I forget the label, but I I think I own it, and it's sad that I I'm not. Is it the one in, in, in that kind of cigar box? Yeah, uh, yeah. Form, yeah, yeah. I, that's the one I was referring to as well. And it, it is. It's it's a very fun edition. It's definitely mm-hmm. a nice little you know display item to put up on your shelves. There, you know, uh, kind of. Open it up. You kind of imagine a nice roll of stogies, <laughs> kind mm-hmm. of, kind of rolled out there. But it's, it's, you know, it, it is, it's kind of a piece of its time when DVD was the was the top tier, and I think it can be surpassed. And uh, you know, not not to take away from the charms of that old edition, but uh, that's I think a pretty hard item to come by these days. So uh, why not why not give it the twenty first century upgrade? No doubt. All right, so we have another category that we want to cover, which is, of course, with the uh, the rise of Filmstruck this uh, this past fall, uh, we have a number of titles that are currently Criterion uh, Filmstruck exclusives, uh, but we thought, well, let's just go ahead and speculate a little bit about what we might like to see coming from Filmstruck to the Criterion disc. And I'm just kind of going to make an on-the-fly choice here. Let's just kind of pick our number one. Maybe we can pick our one and two in, in, in sequence here. You know, maybe give a little bit more time to our top pick. But if you want to mention your runner-up as well, just to kind of keep things flowing along since we're an hour into the episode already. So, uh, Aaron, go ahead and give us uh, your one and two picks from Filmstruck to a Criterion physical media release. Sure. I, I guess the theme for me this time is... Uh terrible holocaust films or war war pictures so <laughs> lm klimov's uh, come and see is my my top pick uh that's also been rumored there's a phantom page for him so i, I think there's a good chance uh, it has the that wacky c and uh we also mentioned uh michelangelo antonioni my second pick is the passenger uh which is also on film truck there's a there are a lot of great great thing uh films on film struck um i don't know how the licensing works but i would just love to get a fraction of them on disc yeah those are two that have definitely been clamored for and i think yeah that's that's just been a big engine of interest and in that filmstruck really has pulled in a lot of criterion affiliations that are like whoa they have that <laughs> where is it where where's the disc you know show me and i think those are two really exemplary titles that uh would definitely hop off the shelves if they get that physical release uh Arik, let's go ahead and take it over your way so I use this category to do a little bit of uh, creative uh, putting together, and I picked two titles that are listed as out of print on the Criterion site, but are not out of print. One is only available in the um, Essential Art House, and the other one, well, at least according to the um, famous John Mulvaney, is not actually out of print and is available. Both of these titles are available on Filmstruck. We know they still have the rights, and both badly need upgrades, in my opinion. Um, so those are uh, Pygmalion and Nanook of the North. And uh, uh, I just think uh, I love both of these films. Uh, they're both super bare-bone editions. Uh, they're both up on Filmstruck in better quality prints. So let's get them on disc. 
Yeah, yeah. Uh, Pauline Lampert, uh, better known as Lady P, and Trevor and I did an episode on the films of George Bernard Shaw, and of course, Pygmalion was kind of the big uh, platform that kind of allowed uh, uh, Gabriel Pascal and Shaw to kind of go on and make a few other films uh, based on Shaw's plays. So yeah, Pygmalion's definitely a pretty intriguing piece of work. Of course, it's, it's a classic. And then Oak of the North is kind of the uh, uber documentary, <laughs> although it's got its own little issues and, yeah, and controversies. Quotes, mm-hmm. for sure. <laughs> exactly, exactly. <laughs> but, but you're right, a, a very charming film. I mean, you know, <laughs> a little personal anecdote. My, my wife and I still kind of make Nanook references as we crawl into bed on these cold winter nights. <laughs> 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 our little igloo up here in uh, northern Michigan there. So mm. it's funny. funny. Yeah, definitely. Uh, Mark, what are your uh, film struck? to Criterion selections. Well, the first thing I have to mention is uh, that I'm lame because I don't have a Filmstruck account yet, and I have a good reason for that. That's a very defensible Um, position. You don't need to apologize for that at all. (laughs) Filmstruck still has some work to do, let's just say that. Well, there's that, but really for me, it was, uh, you know, financially, I I got sick of um, having every time a disc went out of print, I had to rush out and try to find it because I was, you know, out of print complete. So I spent uh, 2016, you know, finishing up uh, the, you know, getting complete with the the DVDs, which included buying Taste of Cherry, Arik. Um, so <laughs> I own it too. I, I feel your pain. <laughs> so it's a long way of me just saying, I, I don't have Filmstruck yet. I will very soon. Um, but I did, you know, looking at the titles out there, you know, I'll throw out, of course, the big one stalker. Everyone knows, I mean, it's gotta come. Um, so I'll just champion a couple of others that I haven't seen, but, uh, would like to, um, the, one of the big ones that stood out to me was the Ho Shao Shen film, Flight of the Red Balloon, um, which stars Juliette Binoche. And um, it's not one one of the more well-regarded, as I understand, Shen movies. But, um, hey, you know, getting a Criterion release of anything from him would be great. Um, we'd just love to, to see some more um, from him. And the big red one, uh, banging that fuller drum, uh, as Aaron was earlier. It's another one I haven't seen um, of his and just kind of been waiting for a good release. There's a Blu-ray out there um, of the the two different versions. There's a, you know, a restored version um, and the regular version on the Blu-ray, but as I understand, it's not the greatest uh, release. So it's called the theatrical cut and reconstructed version. So um, and the reconstructed one is only in standard definition, so I, you know, it would just be great to see Criterion do do right by uh, by that film. So the big red one in the flight of the red balloon. Yeah, excellent. Okay, well, I'm going to go ahead and uh, move things along here. I'm going to stay. My number one film struck to Criterion uh, release would be Ingmar Bergman's Shame, which I'm actually in the middle of kind of. Uh, luxuriating in just contemplating re-watching i do have that old uh, mgm box set there which has a you know, fairly decent commentary the guy gets a little pedantic here and there but you know i guess bergman kind of brings out <laughs> the inner pedant and in a lot of us there uh you know but it's 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 a absolutely wonderful film i mean you know maybe a shade or two below persona but extremely powerful very unique within Bergman's canon and and it's his epic war movie if you can even think about Bergman doing a war movie and and I did not know much about this film 
when I sat down to watch it. And I was really blown away just because, wow, Bergman went there and and just did some things that I just didn't think were even in his vocabulary with this film. And, you know, Liv Ullman's performance is absolutely transcendent. Uh, Max von Sydow is, is, you know, customarily great. Gunnar Bjornsson has a small role, but he's very pivotal and very effective in that. And it's just, yeah, it's just a pretty much blew me away type of movie. And uh, I, I think, you know, as, 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 as they got Persona out of that box set, I, I would love to see all of those titles, or at least most of them, you know, come over to Criterion's way. But Shame is absolutely top tier, top shelf Bergman and uh, deserves the best uh, quality release it can find. So, yeah, you got anything more to say? I, or, uh, Aaron, I see you kind of chiming in there. Yeah, I, I don't know why you're you're picking all of my favorite films of all time, David. It's just not fair. <laughs> <laughs> this is among my favorite Bergmans. Uh, and, and yeah, it's it's different. It's a war film. It's a dystopian kind of war film. Uh, you, you don't really know who's at war, but uh, and very much unlike what he's done before. But I, I think that little departure really worked for him. And I, I would love to see... Anything but that old Warner's, oh no, MGM uh, release. Yeah, I mean the transfer in the MGM disc isn't that bad, but I think there's just room for lots of other great supplements, like like the Persona disc, which was you know really just a comprehensive masterpiece edition from Criterion. I think I think Shame could probably provide that same very rich you know document that uh, you know showcases a great film, but also puts it in its context of where Bergman was at and what was happening just kind of in his own creative life and, and the Bergman-esque scene of that time. So yeah, just, just a, a true masterpiece. Uh, my number. It's out of print. Yeah, too. yeah well, exactly. Yeah. 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 Hour of the Wolf also being sort of that other one of that sort of dark era that he was going through there. Um, uh, which is not on Filmstruck. I was a little surprised. I thought, well, if they got shame, why not get Hour of the Wolf in there too? But uh, yeah, you know. that was going to be one of my picks if it was there. Absolutely, <laughs> for great, sure. Great uh, I also, my number two pick was uh, uh, Mizuguchi's 47 Ronin Part 1 and 2. Uh, the, um, last, the story of The Last Chrysanthemum was one of my contenders. I haven't yet made my definitive list for Criterion's 2016 lineup as far as favorites, but Story of the Last Chrysanthemum is definitely up there. Uh, Scott and I, Ryan and I did a uh, a podcast, a main episode you know, a couple months ago, talking about that particular release and just the fact that we're getting you know classic uh, pre-war Japanese cinema on Blu-ray. That's kind of a unique thing that Criterion was doing there, but but that's just a you know very powerful film. It's pretty long. It's like a four-hour you know epic, uh, two parts. Uh, but I would love to see that one get a, get a, uh, a nice definitive edition. Uh, it is available on Filmstruck right now, along with a few other Mizuguchi titles, not quite yet on disc. But uh, yeah, he definitely deserves, you know, top top caliber treatment. So I, I hope they can bring it to us. Okay, one more category, no, two more categories. We're going to try to get through pretty quickly here, just to kind of keep things moving. Let's talk about the box set breakouts. We we have already kind of alluded to a little bit of that uh, with the uh, Clio from five to seven, but you know, Criterion did a few others of those. They, they did the Woman in the Dunes. They did Easy Rider, 
and they did, uh, what was that other one that I'm forgetting at the moment, uh, Brief Encounter. So let's take a look at some of the boxes that are out there. What are some, you know, if you, you know, if you have to break up a box set, which is not always the most pleasant <laughs> thought, um, you know, Aaron, why don't you go ahead and give us, uh, give us maybe one title that you would see might be worthy of a standalone release from uh, any of the Criterion box sets that have been released uh, in the years past. Well, I think I'm I'm going to go, if I'm going to pick one, I'll go with one that's from a box set that's already been split up because I think, yeah, well, if you're going to split them up, give us give us the other stuff. Uh, so I'm going to say uh, uh, Louis Mal's uh, Lacombe Lucien, which I think uh, is, is, and you guys just talked about Louis Mal quite a bit on the Yeah, we viewer. just finished. Uh, Keith, Trevor, and I did a pretty epic three-part series on the documentaries of Louis Mal. Mm-hmm. But I have not seen Lacombe Lucien, but I'm certainly intrigued to check out that Louis Mal box set now, yeah. Well, if there's one thing I'm realizing about myself as I talk here is I really like war films uh, that are <laughs> sometimes somewhat unpleasant uh, that involve the Holocaust. Uh, so this one does too, and uh, and I, if you like Mal, of course Mal's style is is all over the place, and uh, you know he does documentaries, it does dinners with people, and uh, he does. Uh, you know, <laughs> French New Wave. Uh, this one is is also not much, very much like his other work. Um, but it's it's very much, it's a great character study of a, of a, a, a kid who chooses really the wrong side. He he um, fights against the French resistance. So uh, yeah, I, I recommend people watch it, even if you. It's probably unlikely to be split up and, and upgraded. Uh, Au revoir. They, they did do. Yeah. yeah, that that one, of course, is is by far the the most um, obvious choice, and and that's also a a beautiful movie. Um, I, I'd say this isn't quite up to that caliber, but it's pretty close in my opinion. So even if they won't upgrade it, uh, go watch it. It's good. <laughs> excellent. Yeah, you've got some other pretty excellent choices. Maybe we'll just give some honorable mentions there. But for the sake of time, we'll just kind of pick our one uh, one nugget for this particular category there. So, Arik, yeah, what do you got in mind for uh, a box set breakout? Well, uh, I really hope they don't do it. <laughs> Let's get to the point there, right? I, I don't like it at all. I, I really don't. It typically means the other ones are going out of print, like with the Teshikahara set. But, um, but it, So instead, I focused on uh, an Eclipse uh, thing uh, feature that I feel like they could pull out into the main line, and it actually is also Louis Mal and was, was the primary focus of your recent Eclipse viewer, and um, I feel the same way about as you and uh, Trevor do, and, and not the way that Keith does um, about <laughs> Phantom India. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> an, an, an amazing, amazing experience. I mean, this is not just a film; it is a it, it is a mind altering experience. Yeah, I, yeah, I haven't listened yet, but I think absolutely. I have to talk to Keith. <laughs> <laughs> oh, he likes it. He he doesn't like Mal's uh, narration. Um, oh, so yeah, okay, I can. Get uh, I, I do like Mal's narration, and, and as I wrote about uh, last year, or earlier this year, well, years are weird, uh, it's actually one of the main reasons I love that film so much. So anyway, um, I think that's clearly a, a gem, and, uh, and I think it would be so amazing to have in uh, high def. Yeah, the the visuals on that film, and and again, the opportunities for perhaps do some some supplements. Maybe Maybe there is a an opportunity to do sort of a, uh, you know, with the, with the narration and without, uh, or, or something along those lines, you <laughs> the know, Keith Enright edition. <laughs> Keith can narrate it. How about that? <laughs> uh, but, but you're right. Just, just the visual splendors of, uh, miles journey through India are, are marvelous. And again, a lot of people just may not plunk down the money to get that eclipse set. And of course, Filmstruck does give you the opportunity to at least sample it, but it's a very rich, 
uh, and and deep treasure, one very worth uh, the revisit. So yeah, thanks for thanks for endorsing that. And uh, yeah, with it being so fresh in my memory, I I totally resonate with your pick there, Arik. Excellent, Mark. Why don't you give us one? Yeah, so I'm going to go with uh, continuing to break out a, a box set that's already broken out um, with the um, the BBS box set uh, that we've got an Easy Rider, five easy pieces, and I'd love to see the last picture show get broken out. Um, I, I was really thinking personally of my father with this because he, he is a fan of this film, and you know I just picture from a financial standpoint, he's I'd love to see, maybe I should just buy him the box set, right? If I was a good son, I'd buy him the box set for Christmas. <laughs> but um, he, you know, he, he just, he wouldn't appreciate, uh, I think, some of the other films like Head. Um, so, you know, I'd love to just give this to him. But I also think it, doing this really allows, you know, the films to be seen. You know, it's like the it's like the Brief Encounters, Easy Riders, all those films where the casual buyer won't buy the box set probably, but would like to pick up, this edition and this is just a wonderful film from Peter Bogdanovich uh, just you know the the black and white I just love it I've seen it once and uh, need to see it numerous times so it's yeah that's my that's my pick let's keep going with uh, the BBS box set and you know make it available uh, for others but you know <laughs> to your criterion fans and people that want to experience all of BBS it's a lovely box set. yeah I would I would agree with you though that if any box set is okay to break up, given the garbageness mm. of Drive, he said, and some of those other uh, <laughs> <laughs> limited of limited value right. films that are only there as you know storytelling for the larger story, I'm, I'm okay with that one. Super okay. I'm gonna go ahead and make my uh, box set breakout pick. Uh, Andre Vajda's Ashes and Diamonds, which is part of those three war films. It's it's really it is. It would be a shame to to see those other two films go out of print or languish in obscurity because uh, Canal and a Generation are both pretty powerful. Aaron, as the, as the war film aficionado here, <laughs> have you had a chance to check out this trilogy I, at all? I, I have. I love all of them. And, but yeah, this, this one all... maybe. Well, actually, I, I think Canal is probably my favorite. I love that tracking shot uh, near the beginning. But also yeah. a filmmaker that passed recently, too. Um, exactly, yeah. And I think Ashes and Diamonds is probably considered sort of his, you know, his his standout or his staple. Maybe it's just a place and time thing where that was the one that happened to hit you know, the wider distribution mark. I mean, Canal is actually one that has lingered in my memory for a long time. Just those incredibly intense under, you know, underground scenes of, of, of just trudging through the slime and the muck and just the, you know, the horrors that those people had to deal with. And it's just the, that claustrophobic, but, but Ashes and Diamonds certainly has some, you know, just some, you know, great cinematography, a very poignant, powerful, heartbreaking war story, and again, a film that uh, you know, may, maybe uh, is is fallen off the beaten path a little bit more than it deserves to. So, I think if you got to do a standalone release, uh, you know, that's one that uh, you know probably probably would benefit and uh, might draw people to maybe a closer study to Wajda's career, uh, which was a pretty distinguished one as well. Very and much. I'll just. And then I'll very quickly cheat and throw in Masaki Kobayashi's Samurai Rebellion out of the you know Rebel Samurai box, which is a little bit of a cheat because you can buy each of those films individually, but it is kind of a box set of its own. And I, I think you know Kobayashi just deserves that high def widescreen treatment as well. So 
There we go. Should also uh, mention that uh, yeah. Arm, um, uh, sorry, Ashes and Diamonds uh, yeah. is available from Arrow Academy in the UK, and okay. appa- apparently Arrow Academy is going to start over here. So I don't know how rights work, but uh, maybe, well, maybe. Well, yeah, we may have a little bit of a tussle on our hands here. <laughs> we already do, <laughs> but I think. you know, yeah, we well, we're, yeah, and you know, obviously, if it if a little competition gets Criterion to step up its uh, release game, I, I guess I'm all for it. There you go. <laughs> All right. Well, let's talk very quickly about OOP Rescues. We've had a number of titles that uh, had fallen out of print. I mean, just right off the top of my head, Time Bandits was out of print for a while. And, and I don't know, what are some other ones that uh, were kind of in the DVD lineup? The Tati uh, films. Yeah, the Tati yeah. films, definitely. They disappeared for a while. Of course, we're still waiting for that uh, BRD trilogy to, to, to find <laughs> yeah. its way back. Right. But Resurface. let's go ahead and, and uh, take a pick or two. If you want to throw out a couple quick titles, um, just go right back to the top of the list here. Aaron, what are two uh, out-of-print rescues that you'd like to see uh, Criterion snag back? Well, I, I'll just preface this by saying I'm, this is not grounded in realism whatsoever because they're probably not going to happen. But uh, I'm going to go with the the uh, legendary Tokyo Olympiad. Um is, is one of them, which is one of the most expensive out-of-print and hard-to-find out-of-print discs I think uh, there is. But there was a, a restoration that, that came out. I think the IOC, the Japanese IOC actually sponsored it, but you know, who's, who are they going to distribute it through, if, if anybody, is the question. Hopefully Criterion, if they come to their senses. And my other one is, uh, since I'm my obligatory war film is Army of Shadows, uh, you know, <laughs> French yes, resistance indeed. movie. Uh, another masterpiece by Melville uh, that is stuck in Studio Canal hell, unfortunately, and I think that's that's the big barrier for probably a lot of our picks is that darn Studio Canal. <laughs> yeah, they, they like grabbed the rights and Studio did Canal nothing hell. with it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> although funny. although Tati did come back, so there there's that. Yeah, and it it just kind of reinforces my pet theory that Studio Canal is just kind of doing this kind of extortionist type of thing where if Criterion doesn't want to pay this price, you know, they're just not going to get it. And, you know, the Tati films, and I think uh, Criterion said, yeah, look, there's just such a demand, and if we put this comprehensive set together, you know, it'll move the product. I mean, again, going back to that Peter Becker interview, you really get the sense that he is really focused on market realities and he has to have some assurance that they're going to recoup the investment before they can go ahead with it and you know army of shadows was a very nice blu-ray edition and it was available for a couple years and then they lost the rights to re-up the deal and and uh, those of us who couldn't get in on it uh, are are having to pay the price now so i I do hope they get it back because i think melville's another you know it's a pretty reliable uh you know, source a source of support for 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 the company. Uh, he's got a lot of uh, followers, a lot of people who appreciate sure. his work. And I should say, I I do own that Blu-ray, uh, and I yeah. I spend a lot of money again uh, for that. So this wish list is really against my own financial interest. <laughs> but I think more people should seek it out and see it. It's it's really a gem of a film. Agreed. Eric, what you got? Uh, not to rain on your theory, which is a, a perfectly great one, but um, in the specific case of the Tati films, um, his family still held certain amounts of the rights and uh, were the ones who compelled um, 
Studio Canal to play with Criterion because they wanted Criterion to release those films, those specific films. So it doesn't look like that's a precedent-setting thing for for getting out of Lionsgate, but but I, I keep hoping and praying. And in fact, both of my picks are also Studio Canal uh, takeaways, unfortunately. But um, uh, So I'm hoping for the uh, Godard film, A Woman is a Woman, and the Kurosawa film, uh, Ron, uh, both of which are just movies I really, really enjoy. Ron, of course, they made a Blu-ray that they or they advertised a Blu-ray, created a Blu-ray, and then lost the rights before they could sell the Blu-ray, which is extra knife in the back to the the fans. But a woman as a woman is just a very hip, stylish '60s Godard, and I would love to see it in uh, in higher quality. It is one of his most joyous, uh, kind of uninhibitedly yeah. happy movies, you know. And it's like unusually exa- exactly, <laughs> and, and it's, it's all the more precious because of it. I, and I kind of yeah. again, my my thought is that that was when his you know pure you know love for Anna Karina was just at its peak. You know, after that, their relationship got a lot more complicated. But at that point, <laughs> he just kind of gaga over her and just kind of gave her this wonderful showcase and uh yeah it is it's probably one of my very favorite maybe top two or three godard films just because it's unique in that respect and it is it's just so so buoyant and so full of life and that's kind of nice to see that side of him come out <laughs> and and for ran ran um studio canal did put out a restoration i i can't remember if it was just region b or if it was both but there was a lot of controversy about the color grading, and you might remember. I think they were saying it's too yeah, green or yeah. something. And I remember mm-hmm. some people saying that the Criterion DVD was actually better, uh, looked better than the the restored version. Now I, I haven't te- I, I do own the, the the Studio Canal version, but I haven't uh, put it to the test. So obviously, it is Region A. It's one of the very few Lionsgate's actually released. Okay, but, but I haven't seen it. I have the DVD. Yeah, there, yeah. There's that. There, well, there's an older Ron DVD or Blu-ray, but I think there's also a more recent, newer edition. So I don't know. Uh, yeah, that, some, that's the one we're yeah, talking 4K about. 4K restoration. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. 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 Okay. It's available here. Okay. Well, maybe we'll have to just triple dip at some point <laughs> and <laughs> check them out there. Yeah, I think I think that that one from the UK is region B only. There is a region A from Studio Canal, you know, in the US, but that's that's not the, you know, the new Yeah, that's kind of that part of that older so. Studio Canal line when they were going to try to take Criterion on head to head with uh, the right. Third Man and Contempt and a few others, uh, you know, the Studio Canal yep. collection, I think it was yeah. called. That worked, didn't it? <laughs> yep. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's a collection, like five or six, and you got them all. <laughs> all right, Mark, what you got for yeah. a, for an out-of-print rescue? Well, this is a theme. Um, as uh, Aaron coined it, my two picks are in Studio Canal Hell <laughs> also. Um, they And I'll just mention the two because they do kind of pair together. Uh, I'm going to go with uh, Two Early Spines, 25 with Alphaville, 49 with Knights of Kiberia. Uh, I'm banging the Alphaville drum partially for our friend Doug McCambridge of Good Times, Great Movies, and, uh, of course, the plane cast. Um, So, yeah, it's, again, both. Well, Kiberia does have some supplements. Alphaville is uh, bare bones, but, you know, both of them would definitely benefit, I think, especially Alphaville from a a new release. Yeah, Alphaville Um, is so bare bones that it's even only got half a cover, which they just flip and rotate. (laughs) 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 That's right. (laughs) I love that movie, though. It's got a little tiny booklet in it, but, and, you know, Kiberia does have some some supplements, but um, the thing is, both have um, um, a DVD-only release in the U.S., 
uh, from Studio Canal. Blu-ray-wise, there's nothing for Kiberia, Knights of Kiberia. Uh, there is a Blu-ray from Studio Canal, but uh, I believe only part of a box set um, with a number of other Godard films uh, in the UK. So again, languishing, not much out there uh, for us for those two films on Blu-ray. Excellent. Well, let me go with my, uh, my out-of-print rescues, which are a little bit more from the obscure side. Um, really quickly, let's talk about The Harder They Come. I, this is a, another one uh, DVD-only title that went out of print fairly soon after it was released. Uh, it's not quite the same rarity as, like, you know, The Killer or the original release of Salo, but I don't think it was in print for a real long time. Uh, of course, this is kind of the, the Jimmy Cliff uh, reggae classic from the mid-70s, and uh, a film that I think has just kind of a unique sort of heritage of its own, uh, a very prominent, best-selling soundtrack album, and I just was watching it earlier tonight and just thinking, you know, this is pretty funky, cool, unique little entry in the whole Criterion library there, and I think it would be fun to get this one back. Uh, just because uh, I don't think a lot of people have kept up with it, uh, but it's it's a unique slice of life, kind of coming from a different uh, time and place uh, than a lot of the other films. Maybe that are, you know, maybe more familiar or or cover territory that's that's uh, you know just been documented in a lot of different ways. Uh, you know, this is a story set in Jamaica. Uh, you know, largely black cast, and and uh, it just kind of a you know just kind of a an angle on on life and and music and culture that uh, may you know, may open some eyes, you know, kind of a yeah the story itself. I mean, I wouldn't say this is masterpiece cinema by any means, but it's 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 intriguing, it's fun, and again, a great soundtrack. Right now, the the DVD is a mono only mix. I don't know if there is any kind of a stereo or. You know, if I even dare to dream about a 5.1 mix, but it is a movie with a lot of music in it. And I think if they even were to re-engineer it a little bit, do a little bit of a remixed, uh, you know, soundtrack, that could add some some luster to, to the packaging itself. Uh, the other one I've put in is a, a, a film that just kind of went out of print uh, very quietly and, and somewhat mysteriously, uh, Milos Forman's The Fireman's Ball. Uh, you know, great film from the Czech New Wave that, uh, you know, his other kind of you know, big release from that same era, Loves of a Blonde, is still in print. Uh, there was a Blu-ray release of The Fireman's Ball. I think it's a uh, Arrow uh, version over in the UK. Um, so the transfers there, and so is is it just a matter of time, or kind of in this little uh, interim limbo period where where Criterion's you know on the verge of releasing it with a nice uh, new upgrade edition. I'd like to think so. So I think uh, The Fireman's Ball would be very welcome re-entry to the collection. All right. Well, let's uh, just kind of keep things skipping along here. We've got a couple, a couple. Um, okay. Yeah. Let's just go ahead and skip that one. We were talking about the obligatory Bergman, Fellini, but we've already kind of covered some of that territory. So let's just talk shame. a little bit about. <laughs> yeah. Shame. Shame. Uh, we talked about Knights of Kiberia coming back. Yeah. And there's there's some other great titles out there, uh, but I think those directors, you know, Bergman, Fellini, Ozu, Kurosawa. Uh, we can pretty much count on some of their, you know, you know, more canonical works, uh, you know, likely to be released. Maybe it's going to be The Virgin Spring. Maybe it's going to be uh, Juliet of the Spirits. Maybe it's going to be Early Summer to kind of finish out Ozu's Noriko trilogy. Uh, yeah, any number of, of great titles that are out there. So 
let's go ahead and skip that category and let's just talk about one last uh, little twist here. Uh, we are now into the era of 4K UHD uh, take-home media. Uh, I just got a 4K TV. Uh, Arik, you did too. I got a 4K player. I think, Aaron, you're in the process of upgrading, or maybe you already have. You got oh, it's, a new TV, right? It's a done deal. Yeah, I have a 70-inch 4K. Deal. Okay, 70-inch, yeah. yeah. Gone, gone big. <laughs> all right. <laughs> so so we are all, you know, at least Go a lot of us are, are in that new territory. Um, I've got one 4K disc. I got uh, Mad Max Fury Road as my kind of, uh, uh, you know, kind of test disc there, kind of my showcase, and it's pretty awesome, pretty pretty spectacular to crank up the sound and and let her rip there. But you know, Criterion has um, over the past few years been releasing a number of 4K transfers that are still in the 1080p format. So. It's a it's a situation where the quality of the transfer actually outstrips the media that it's being produced in. So we thought it might be kind of fun to speculate. Of course, there's no official rumors, and we don't want to get ahead of ourselves to say that Criterion's on the verge of releasing 4K uh, you know, take-home media. It might be a year or two or three or maybe never that they'll actually take that step. But uh, there is a pretty good list out there, one of the... Uh, my criterion list that we were able to discover uh, is a guy who's kind of keeping track of all those 4K transfers. So we thought, let's just go ahead and pick uh, one or two titles that we might consider that double dip for if Criterion says, hey, here's Criterion UHD. Uh, so Aaron, what would you uh, be interested in bringing home if uh, that 4K transfer came to the 4K format? Well, let me first say that I'm. I'm. This is for next year that I'm hoping. <laughs> I'm not ready for this yet, even though I have yes. uh, the TV. I actually accidentally bought a um, a player that does not play the discs. So uh, one day I'll have to get a new player. Oops. But, yeah, I know. Um, yeah. That's the thing. They're so new. Yeah, I bought one just barely old enough and and doesn't play them. Anyway, so if I were to pick uh, a couple discs, um, first off, I would pick a brighter summer day, which. Um, is my favorite release of the year. I think it's safe to say that for this year. It looks gorgeous. Of course, they might need the uh, the extra disc space to fit uh, that long movie in, in, in that resolution. Um, and then the uh, my other choice is one that's not mastered in 4K, at least on, on disc, but you know what? Why not? They can do that, right? Um, so I, I did uh, Koyan, Koyana Katsuki. Is that right? Koyana Skatsi. Koyana Skatsi. Yeah, yeah, I can't say. It. I never will be able there. to say it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but, come on. Don't you, don't you speak Navajo? Come on. <laughs> not not today. Uh, but anyway, it's a, a very visual movie, and I think that would probably be the most fitting for the format. Yeah, that would be just a hypnotic sensory overload for sure. Mm-hmm. So, and 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 again, I, I remember our our talk about a brighter summer day when we were doing the Criterion Chronicles, Criterion Cast Chronicles. What a absolutely gorgeous film that it really is and in the circumstances in which it was made and you know i mean this was not a big budget production by any means this, this is a scrappy you know somewhat seat of the pants production but it looks just like incredible and it, it is it's just astonishing to see how beautiful the footage came out much less the story and the context and all of that but just the the sheer visual presentation is just amazing. Arik, what's your uh, what's your 4K choice? Uh just so that nobody uh we don't have to do follow up Koyanakatsi's Hoppy not Navajo. 
Oh, but, uh, <laughs> okay. Thank you. I, I stand corrected gladly. <laughs> they are very related. At, at any rate, um, uh, and I also wanted to say that uh, all of this would. So I got a 4K TV like like the rest of you recently, and I have to say that the DVDs look so much better mm-hmm. on yeah. it than they did on my. 1080p TV that I'm actually less upset about the lack of upgrades than I was prior to that, although I still want them. Hmm. Um, uh, but they look amazing. It's crazy how much uh, they better do, they yeah. look. But uh, for me, I'm going to go with... Um, I'm going to mix it up. I'm going to go with a, a Czech New Wave film that I think is just incredibly beautiful and would be really cool in 4K. I'm going to go with Valerie and her Week of Wonders, which uh, is just a visually stunning film that I think would be really really cool to have at, at an even higher resolution yeah yeah and that's a fairly short film too right i mean isn't it like yeah it's like 72 minutes mm-hmm, or something like that. Mm-hmm. but you're right yeah that that is that was a trip i actually i think i've only watched that on hulu i do own the blu-ray of course but i haven't quite gotten to that but yeah that's uh that's a intriguing choice and and definitely one that uh i'll have to take you up on and check it out again all right mark you want to uh, take it up from there yeah, so I, just something I wanted to share on uh, just thoughts on the Ultra HD format too. I mean, I'm thinking of you know Laserdisc to Blu-ray. It's like a skip level format upgrade, right? So you know if we could get some old DVD upgrades, um, you know, to Ultra HD Blu-ray from Criterion, that would be that yeah, would be great. Two I generations mean, advanced, you know. Yeah. Yeah, and I I don't really intend to upgrade my Blu-rays to Ultra HD unless it's something you know in my own personal pantheon. But you know, there's probably some buyers out there that you know we obviously have a lot of uh, Criterion DVD buyers that hung on to DVDs. Maybe they would be part of that community that would be kind of a skip skip technology, skip level technology kind of leapfrog to ultra hd if criterion released yeah i I mean that is a very interesting discussion the blu-ray to 4k upgrade like what's really gonna seal the deal like i i'm at a 50 inch tv Mm. so i i really have a hard time thinking that a a well-done blu-ray is going to be surpassed obviously by a well-done 4k like i didn't own fury road in the standard blu-ray edition so that's that made it very easy for me to say yeah i'll go ahead and get that one sort of as my first right. foray into that format. But, yeah, it's it's going to take me some convincing to say my Criterion Blu-rays do need that 4K upgrade. But I'm open to it, so sell right. me. <laughs> yeah, well, Criterion, if you release yeah, and, 4K, I will buy all of them. I will buy the ones I already have. <laughs> I am just a sucker for upgrading them. Wow. Yeah, you see, if, if, if I rebuy my Criterion collection, then next year's wish list will be for a new wife because this one will have left me. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Oh, so uh, yeah. So my, my picks were. I was actually thinking about um, a color and a black and white. So I actually paired Mulholland Drive uh, with a Racerhead uh, color with uh, black and white. What I'm really thinking of is, you know, something something to take the format um, ahead. So these would be money makers for Criterion. Uh, they would be ones that people would seek out. Uh, Criterion could be even seen as a kind of a leader, you know, if they did this uh, in the Ultra HD Blu-ray. I mean, Criterion was two years um, coming to Blu-ray. You know, it was around two years since the format released. There's some studios that aren't on board with Ultra, Ultra HD Blu-ray yet, so they could be kind of an innovator and just put out some some big titles, you know, from Lynch and make some money. So the other one I was thinking of just black and white would be on the waterfront. It would be another 10 pole, you know, black and white release, um, for them. So, 
Um, yeah, I would love to see those beautiful, already beautiful uh, transfers on the Blu-ray in Ultra HD. Yeah, yeah, excellent. Well, you you, you get the the Lynch uh, army out there that that may actually shake some action in the 4K front. So yeah, yeah mm-hmm. excellent picks. Uh, I'm going to go with a couple that I think do have that degree of visual splendor that would get me thinking. Yeah, maybe there is something. I mean, I might still want to see a demo or you know do a little bit of study of reviews and research and whatnot. But my number two pick is a Wes Anderson film, The Life Aquatic with Steve Zissou, which I've actually kind of drawn the conclusion that that's probably my, uh, from a purely visual aesthetic standpoint, that might be my favorite Wes Anderson film uh, Mm. because I I just love the underwater scenes. In fact, that's what's been playing as sort of my background images as we've been talking here tonight. And, uh, you know, the 4K, or I mean, the Blu-ray is is, is a beautiful addition, very, very nice presentation. Of course, I go back to the original DVD. The there was the two disc deluxe version, as well as the single disc cheapie that uh, was kind of the mass market release when the it first came out. Both of them Criterion editions there, but uh, yeah, I could consider taking a look at a 4K Life Aquatic uh, release. There, it's got a great soundtrack, and again, just all those whimsical. Uh, Kind of Jacques Cousteau tributes and the underwater creatures and the you know puppets and animatronics and all that kind of cool stuff that Wes Anderson throws in there. So sure, let's let's go ahead and give it a spin. Uh, but then one of one of my favorite releases again on that visual uh, you know presentation platform is the New World. Uh, Terrence Malick's you know, incredibly gorgeous uh, you know epic of uh, colonization and you know worlds in collision and all of that. Again, it's just, you know, it's one of those movies where you can sort of just even tune out the story and just, you know, feast on, on the uh, on the splendor of the images and, and the scenery and the, the pristine, uh, you know, capturing of, of just all this greenery and faces and wildlife and just, you know, the, the, the whole, I don't know, just the whole atmosphere that Malik creates. I think that might be a pretty nice, uh, you know... Uh, demonstration piece you know kind of uh you know kind of showing what what 4k can do uh the other 4k that title that i almost bought when i was making my decision was uh was the revenant which i have not actually seen but from everything i've heard is a visually gorgeous movie with a maybe somewhat problematic storylines and (laughs) you know so (laughs) i thought well i've seen mad max fury road i like that i can have fun with it and we just kind of rocked out my dad and i watching that uh, a few weeks ago so so those are some thoughts that we have uh what do you all think about criterion going into 4k we are interested in hearing some of your opinions and uh, this is probably our wind down time. So, I don't know, guys, have you got any final comments as we talk about our uh, hopes and dreams for Criterion in the year to come? Well, I'll, I'll just say that 2016 was a tremendous year. So, even though there are only a few, um, I guess, seven upgrades from disc and seven from, seven from Laserdisc, I haven't really, even though I, I like upgrades, I haven't really been missing them as much as I would expect. Uh, I, I think I've been missing Eclipse more than anything. But, um, so yeah, if if they they came out with the same number and kept on giving us the same quality of titles they did this year, then I, I don't think I would mind so much. Um, of course, it would might hurt these episodes going forward. But yeah, well, you know, but but if you look at 
titles like The Player and The Graduate and Cat mm-hmm. People, which were, you know, they're genuine Laserdisc upgrades. I mean, I think that really expands. I think well, a lot of us were saying, well, where's the DVD, the Blu-rays? But, you know, you throw Laserdisc in there, and I think we're probably on a pretty comparable pace as they were in years past. You know, I think Keith Enright did a pretty nice job of tracking LD to, to BD upgrades, yeah. which uh, was kind of a missing category as we kind of figured oh laser disc that's the old days that doesn't count anymore but it really is part of the criterion uh history there so uh we might as well give it its due and they're they're they've also been putting out the warner's catalog too which is something that's pretty new in the last year especially and a little bit before that and we have some coming up like blow up so i I think they just are they're sitting on a lot of inventory and so until they get through that you know the, the upgrades might be a little more scarce at least disc and you know they're laser discs work out when they when they get the rights again well and as eric said and as i've said on uh previous uh eclipse viewer episodes you know pop in those old dvds on your new 4k <laughs> setup you will you will yeah. be really pleased that the, i mean i was i can I, yeah. I, I watched uh ozu's good morning a while back i was watching that uh the harder they come today those are some pretty nice looking films uh you know the 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 upscaling that you get with a 4K player really does inject a little bit of new life into your DVD collection. So, uh, yeah. I'll, it's crazy because the 1080p was like the opposite, right? They went from looking great on, on small screens to terrible and now good again. It's, yeah, it is it's weird. Yeah, you're pretty. right because the, the, the 1080p just sort of brought out that pixelation and kind of yeah. that kind of crustiness. And you thought, boy, the, the the 4K will just amplify that, but that's really not the effect. The it, it really has a nice smoothing out and popping effect, which is, I mean, like those Louis Mal documentaries. Like, <laughs> yeah, I was mm-hmm. I was uh, very satisfied with that experience. So, uh, yeah, if, if we're uh, helping to move some uh, flat screens out there, <laughs> send us that royalty check, Best Buy, uh, yeah. or, you know, arrange the donation to Criterion Cast. Uh, show us some love over there this way. <laughs> All right, folks. Well, this is probably a good time to wrap it up. So uh, we do thank you for listening in. We thank you for hanging in there with Criterion Cast and uh, sending us your feedback as we uh, move in some new directions. Uh, Aaron, do you want to give us a little update on Criterion now or where things are going with this this new project of yours? Well, right. Yeah, they're going to start in a couple weeks, and it's just going to be kind of like this in a way, uh, just a bunch of people talking about, uh, well, really geeking out about physical media, Criterion, Filmstruck, so, um, but more just what's going on in, in the in the now. Uh, so, you know, the recent releases, the what's on Filmstruck, uh, maybe some little bit of news and rumors, what we're watching, that sort of thing. So I, I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, me too. I think that's going to be a, a fun new twist on things. Uh, Arik, what do you got going on? You got, you got a new project you're working on these days? Yes, yes. My jazz, uh, my upcoming History of Jazz podcast, which is taking all of my time, is uh, is coming along. Man, there is a lot to read, um, but it's a mm. lot of fun, and it will be launching hopefully uh, February 26th. Wow, even a date and a deadline. That, that's well, it's the... I'll spoil myself here a little yeah. bit. I'll be mentioning this other places too. That is the hundredth anniversary of the first jazz recording. Well, if you've listened this deep into the episode, wow. you got that little nugget, that little uh, that little <laughs> teaser there. Well, that's, I'm very excited. Definitely a there. guy that works in a pro- on a programming team too. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. He, he he's used to hitting the mark there. 
Uh, speaking of Mark, so Mark, you you guys uh, got uh, got the new episode of uh, Criterion Close Up now. I just uh, saw that one coming up. The French series is continuing yep. on. Yeah, yeah. We just released the uh, the French series, the early Renoir, so series number two, and of course I'll be joining uh, Aaron for Criterion now. And I, I'm pretty sure our next uh, Criterion Close Up episode will be talking about. Uh, Punch Drunk Love and doing some um, some PTA discussions. Yeah, well, that so was definitely another big that. splash uh, entry into the collection this year. So mm-hmm. look forward to your guys' comments on that. Okay, well, we've rambled on long enough. We got a good uh, best of uh, 2016 episode in the works for a couple weeks from now. So that might be the the next you hear from us. Uh, but uh, yeah, we we got a lot of cool stuff coming up, folks. So thank you for listening in. Thank you for your support and your feedback on social media on the site and uh, we look forward to uh, connecting with you we wish you all the best of holidays uh, gatherings uh, with family friends and even the random stranger or two so thanks again for listening everybody we will talk to you all soon bye-bye